Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. Can you believe it? We are, what, about a week and a half shy of Thanksgiving, Steve. There were certainly plenty of points through the offseason. We did not think we'd get this far on the season. And plenty of points throughout the year that we didn't know how many games we'd see. Looks like week 11 brought us a lot of games. Looks like week 12, we've got already 12 cancellations, if my uh, running count here is correct. As always, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the quarterback guru behind QB Spotlight himself, Mr. Stephen Hamner. Steve, first and foremost, uh, how are you doing? I believe this is the second week back in the great state of Texas, the Lone Star State. You know, uh, you guys keeping safe. How are you doing out there? Yeah, man, we're, we're all good down here. Uh, enjoy, you know, it gets colder in Texas than people think, so it's in the 30s right now. I know in, in Florida it's probably the 70s or 80s or whatever, whatever it usually is. But but real quick, so I, I my, my wife who she says she listens to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if, if she just is a loving wife or if she actually does. But she, uh, so I have a sweet tooth. I love gummy bears, and she is a super healthy, organic type, you know, person, which is great and lovely. And you think I would be uh, being in the sports performance field, but you know, I, I like to to eat what what I want, and I'm big into gummy bears and that type of stuff. Stuff I would never recommend. And so I just got done eating uh organic protein some type of made together gummy type things that she made for me uh in order to get me to stop eating all the sugar so long story short after this podcast i'll drive down to the closest gas station and get some real gummy. <laughs> oh man i love it the uh the great Lindsay hamner trying yeah. to keep her her husband healthy for a, a long period of time and uh steve's not going for it huh no not not yet i'll send some over to you eric let, let me tell you let me know how it is. <laughs> hey, man, I'm nor, I'm an organic guy, you know, as, as you refer to her as healthy and organic. <laughs> it, it, it was good, though. It was very nice for her to do. Let's say that. Just in case she's listening. <laughs> oh, man, most definitely. Uh, I'd be remiss before if I start this podcast by introducing myself. I am Eric Henry, FIU beat writer and co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty. As always, we uh, provide the QB Spotlight podcast. Without further ado, Steve, let's jump into it. Got a lot of notes I'm going to jump into. Uh, Steve, I'm I'm going to start. We've actually got some quality quarterback questions here. want to give a shout out to fellow UDD, fellow college football content creator, my guy, good guy, uh, the pride of uh, Minnesota, Joe Broback, presented a question here. And the question is, what challenges do Cincinnati's secondary bring to Dylan Gabriel? I'm going to let you let you tackle that one. And then uh, our guy, Cam Miller, you know, who also is part of the SB Nation family. He's an editor and writer for SB Nation. He's the founder of Sixth Year Sports, a cultural analyst as well. He has a piggyback off that. But Steve, I'll let you take it away first. Uh, challenges at secondary, which is a very good Cincinnati secondary present to Dylan Gabriel. It, yeah, yeah. So first off, Cincinnati's got arguably one of the best defenses in, in the country, potentially for sure, uh, in all the group of five. Uh, let me just read some stats to you real quick, Eric, before I dive into that, because I think yeah. that, that matchup has yeah, it affects Dylan Gabriel big time, but it, it's more than just the quarterback, right? It, it affects the receiver as well. I'm really get into. However, let's look at let's look at some of these stats real quick, which which I find I'm not you know uh, stats play a big role, but you know it, it doesn't tell the whole picture. But whenever you know uh, stats like this keep happening, it's something to pay attention to. So Cincinnati's defense has played five conference games so far this season. Uh, the only game that they weren't able to play was against Tulsa, and that would have been an awesome uh, defensive game in the American. They played five conference games. 
they've the highest amount of points that Cincinnati has scored in one game is 55. They scored 55 against East Carolina last week, and then against uh, I forget the uh, FCS school to, to open up the open up the year. So they scored 55 points twice. Austin, Austin P. Austin P. That's right. So they scored 55 points twice defensively in those five games uh, against uh, conference opponents. They would need to they would need to take all the points combined from those five games to beat Cincinnati's 55 points. So that, so Cincinnati has given up 57 total points in five conference games, uh, which is be beyond kind of astonishing, if you will, that the past few games, so they gave up 17 points to ECU, 10 points to U of H, 10 points to Memphis, 13 points to SMU. And in those, and in, and in that, that kind of four game span, and of course they've given up seven points to USF, but you know, USF's offense is, is suspect to say the least. But two of those quarterbacks that we just mentioned are considered probably two of the top four or five quarterbacks in the, in the whole conference with Shane Bouchel and Brady White. Uh, Clayton Toon has his moments as well. And, and Holden Ehlers is, a, is a, a young guy who has potential as well. However, those stats in those games, and uh, SMU and Memphis, they like to go deep, and so does U of H. Um, they like, like to spread the ball out. And th those games, Shane Bouchel, 23 of 44, 216 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Brady White, 18 of 35, excuse me, one touchdown. Uh, and and while, while the numbers don't look awful right there, um, you know, that if you watch that game, that was not a pretty 316 yards passing, and they only scored 10 points. And all of other Brady White's games, he's had four touchdowns, six touchdowns, three touchdowns, four touchdowns, four touchdowns through the air, and only one against Cincy defense. Clayton Toon, 20 and 34, a buck 89 yards, one interception. Holton Ehlers, 9 of 20, 87 yards passing three interceptions and they scored 17 points. So they actually had the most points of the past four games. Grant to say this defense is legit and going up against a legit quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. So let's get the Dylan Gabriel side coming in, coming in so far this season. He, I think he's built on tremendously last year. Yes. He's known for his deep ball, but he's done a better job of taking what the defense has given him. Uh, and so that's something he's going to need to do big time against Cincinnati for the simple fact Cincinnati will let you have your yard. When you try to go deep, that's when they kind of shut you down, if you will. So I think if Dylan Gabriel can stay patient, I think, you know, right now they're like a six point underdog uh, UCF is. But if, if they can, if Dylan Gabriel can stay patient and takes what the defense gives him and, and hopes that they start to creep up, UCF has the speed and the talent on the outside that, if for one second, if, if Cincy's defense does take a false step or, or, or if there's a misread, well, Gabriel has the potential to beat you deep. Coming to the game, 23 touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, a little over 63%, uh, a little over 63% uh, uh, completion his balls, excuse me, completing his balls. The only game that he has not had at least two touchdowns was his loss to Tulsa. Ironically, he had, uh, he lost to Tulsa last year as well as Cincinnati uh, and Pittsburgh. And, and he, so, Seven interceptions last year as a true freshman. Three of those interceptions came against Cincinnati last year. Uh, so I know it's a different year, but it, Tulsa is a similar defense to uh, to Cincinnati as, as in fact, as as they will give you the kind of underneath stuff. But going deep is really, really going to take it away for from you. So uh, long-winded answer, but I kind of wanted to give a breakdown of the defense as well as Dylan Gabriel. I think the key for him, stay patient, stay patient. And you know, just just bank on, bank not bank on, but hopefully you you see a, a safety creeping up or a corner creeping up, and then you take your shot deep there. 
So, Steve, I want to get a little bit in depth here, right? Because, you know, you said a lot there as far as the stats and whatnot. Uh, I, I want to kind of go kind of, you know, get in, in between the minutiae here and kind of dive into it, Steve. So you mentioned that Cincy's defense kind of presents similar challenges as Tulsa's, right? And we know the struggles that Dylan Gabriel, and I don't necessarily want to say struggles because, I mean, he hasn't had necessarily a bad game this year. If you look at any games maybe that they lost, the Tulsa game they should have won, you know, that was the UCF defense that, that kind of slipped down there, you know, in the second half. So I want to ask you this. If you look at the game that UCF played against Tulsa in the first half, and yes, their offense did falter a bit in the second half as well, what did you see or what things do maybe do you see from that Tulsa attack that you think since you'd be able to capitalize on? And the second part of that, you know, they've got really not even just good DBs, but bigger DBs and Kobe Bryant and Ahmad Gardner and and James Wiggins. All those guys are at least six foot, six one in the 200 pound range. Uh, Ahmad Gardner versus you know, whether it will be Marlon Williams, I think that's going to be the matchup you'll see. I don't think there's any way they're going to run Jalen Robinson against Ahmad Garner. That just seems like a mismatch size-wise. But in specificity, so two-part question. One, you talked about the the similarities between Cincy and, and, and Tulsa, right? So I was given the underneath stuff. How do you think that UCF and Dylan Gabriel can capitalize on that? And B, um, from just, you know, playing a well-rounded perspective, from a whole-rounded perspective, what do you see from necessarily Cincy's defense that you think that uh, that will really kind of challenge them and um and maybe kind of give them their their toughest fit this year. Yeah, so I, I think um, as it relates to Cincy's and Tulsa's defense, I think it's very similar. I just think Cincy probably does it better. They probably have better players. That's not a knock on Tulsa because Tulsa is one of the best defenses in the American. But I think it's pretty evident that Cincy has the best defense uh, in the American Conference. And uh, so I, I think as far as like scheme goes, their their big thing is you know we want to get pressure on the quarterback and we want him to make a bad decision, but at the same time. We'll give you those underneath stuff. Uh, we're we're going to take away the deep shot and hope that you get antsy and try to, t- to and try to go deep. So I think as it relates to Gabriel and the UCF offense, I think you kind of rely on the fact that you know since he knows it's a big game, you know they're seventh in the they're they're ranked number seven in the in the country, um, and so their 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 defensive backs are they're going to want to take away. They're going to want a few takeaways. They're they're you want to bank on the fact that they're looking for a big play. And so I think you, this is so anti UCF offense, what I'm about to say, but it's almost like you mule them to sleep a little bit, T- take a few short passes. And this is something that Gabriel actually did some against Georgia tech. I know he threw it deep some, but this is something that he did, you know, uh, a good job on uh, kind of taking the defense gives him. And then once the, the, the back seven creep up a bit, that's when you take your shot. So I think if, if Gabriel can remain patient and let his receivers work and then, you know, find the find the opportune time to take that deep shot and I think that's their best bet uh as far as since he goes uh if I'm a defensive corner I'm just telling hey just keep it in front of you they got athletes um you know just play our game don't don't let their high-powered offense throw us off our game because we've faced several high-powered offenses already we know how to beat this type of offense so I, I think it's going to be a, 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 a extremely fun matchup let's hope and cross our fingers you know nothing happens where it gets postponed or canceled as of now where we should be good to go here steve last question here real quick before we transition into some of the other topics we're going to talk about in specificity to the ucf offense if they can't get those deep shots how do you see that affecting maybe you know and of course you know you can say that about a lot of offenses right if you don't get the big play then you're probably lessening your chance of winning but in specificity to ucf with guys like you know jalen robinson and and talk about marlon williams as well if they can't get deep um, how much does that really hinder Dylan Gabriel's game? Or do you see a, a way where if they have to take what's underneath and, and you know, kind of dink and dunk, they can still be a, a, as effective? 
I, I think the fact that UCF has such talented receivers and, and speed in that position, I think you can kind of rely on that. Now, will they? I don't know. But, you know, if, if you get them on a quick slant, uh, you know, they could, they're able to bust it and take it to the house. You know, if you complete it six yards, they can take it 70 yards. So uh, I think as an offensive play call, you have that mindset. And it's just kind of, look, as a quarterback, you want to chunk it deep. Like you, you don't want these five yard hitch routes or these quick slant routes. You want to chunk the bomb. But I think, especially Gabriel, and he's so good at it. And I, I still think it's worth taking a few shots, even if it's not there. Uh, just to keep the defense somewhat honest. But at the same time, I, I kind of want them to start creeping up. I want them to start banking on the short game and this and that, because then I think that can really open up uh, a deep shot here, here or there. And, um, you know, it, I I don't know how UCF's uh, defense is going to do against you know, Cincy's offense. It's a whole different discussion. But depending on what happens there could change, you know, UCF's uh, style of attack. All right, so we want to thank Broback and also our guy Cam Miller for both of those questions. Going to transition to some of our broader topics for the – all right, you know, hold on, hang on a second. I'm sorry. I'm forgetting one more question. Grant Wells. Uh, mm-hmm. The question is, is, is uh, Grant Wells the best quarterback in Conference USA? I know we're going to get into him a little bit in the uh, in the middle part of the podcast, but I want to let you take that head on right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I like who else would be, right? Like, don't you agree that like, he's the best – I don't know if, he, if long-term he is, but right now, yeah, of course, right? For the 2020 season, there is not a better quarterback than Grant Wells. And I'm not only a quarterback, uh, the thing that has really surprised me about how well he's done is the fact that the receiver, the receiver position was one that, quite frankly, you didn't really know what you had coming into the year. So the fact that they've been able to get, you know, some of those guys going as well and and, and really step up, um, that's that's big. So, yes, I would agree. Yeah. Same. Yeah. No issues there. All right, so we're going to transition to our first topic, which is going to be most underrated quarterback from each conference so far this year. And uh, no disrespect to Conference USA, the conference which I cover, we're going to take a pass on that one because Steve and I both are in agreement. It's not that you know there aren't guys that have potential and guys who will want to continue to break down going forward. I don't think there is a quarterback in this conference this year that you can say is underrated. You got you know your your, your play at the top with you know Grant Wells, and of course you know Jack Abraham was one of the better quarterbacks in Conference USA. No longer a quarterback in Conference USA, but no one really worthy of that underrated realm, uh, the underrated title, I should say. So let's go no. to the American, Steve. Who do you want to talk about? So let's see. I, okay, I, I'll make my pick first and then uh, have you jump on. So right okay. now, I think the – and we've talked about Zach Smith before, so I'm going to take a pass on that just because he might be underrated, but not to like us, right, not to this podcast. We think highly of him. Um, so I'm going to say Michael Pratt from Tulane. Uh, he, he's a true freshman quarterback who's been starting the, you know, ever since what the, when they played Southern Miss and they won like six nine twenty four. He got put in that or whatever the score was. He got put in that game, and, and that's when the offense really took off. And uh, he's developed each week. Uh, kid from you know kind of close ish to, to your neck of the woods, Eric over in Boca Raton across the state, but you know close enough for a guy. Um, and he's always been a good athlete, but the past few games, he's really shown his growth and development as a passer, as a passer. And it, it Tulane, like you saw what Tulane could do with a above average quarterback last year with Justin McMillan. And I think Tulane could present a threat, uh, not this year to the American, but maybe next year or the year after Michael Pratt's junior year. But I think he's a guy to watch out from, watch out for down the road, but definitely an underrated guy, in my opinion. I don't know that I call him underrated. I think he's a young quarterback and definitely one that you want to keep an eye on. But you know, I will respect the uh, quarterback gurus. You know, pick there. The I'm going to go with is Clayton Toon. I think you know, especially with Houston's lineage of quarterbacks, you can go back 
20, 30 years. You're a Texan, you know, you know, the lineage of, of Houston quarterbacks. I think he's someone who the task at hand for him to have to step in for Derek King and you know what Derek King meant to that program when he was at his peak. I, I don't think that Clayton too necessarily gets enough respect. And not that his numbers are gonna wow you, right? Even at this point, six games into years, only throwing for 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, six interceptions. But I think he's someone who, you know, especially in this COVID year. A lot of things are kind of wacky. So I'd want to keep an eye on him heading into next year and see what he can do. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that pick. And, and he's also – he's a better athlete than people think. So I, I think I think that's a fair pick. Yeah, yeah he had over like 100 yards rushing this past past weekend. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a point on that one, Eric. That's a good one. Let's quickly touch on the Mountain West. I'm going to defer to you on the Mountain West here. Who would be your pick for um, underrated quarterback? So I would go with I'm – gonna, I'm going to butcher his first name. I've said it before. Shaven Cordero for, from Hawaii taking over from Cole McDonald. He was someone who played last year uh, some whenever McDonald would struggle and uh, uh, Coach Rolovich would pull McDonald, put on Cordero in, and, and Cordero had you know a pretty decent season last year. But now he's really taken off. And I don't only think I only think he's underrated from the fact that he's at Hawaii and most of our games are ten o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night, twelve o'clock at night your time, and, and so. I think that's why he doesn't get as much uh, exposure as, you know, he would if he was playing, you know, in, in like the mainland, I guess, uh, and, and was playing in normal – the games at a normal time. But a guy who can run, throw, kind of do it all and has kept Hawaii's offense from taking a step back uh, with Cole McDonald uh, graduating or leaving, leaving. In the Sun Belt, you know who I'm a little bit torn and both guys have, 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 have you know, kind of had their highs and lows? Uh, you know, at Brady McBride and, and Tyler Vitt, but who I'm actually going to go with, Steve, as far as my pick, Desmond Trotter. Yeah, I, I think I think you know they've had a, a nice year there at South Alabama, and uh, I think he's someone who's been kind of underrated. Who would you go with? Yeah, I like that pick. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I know, like, yeah, yeah, Vitt McBride. We've talked about them. A guy I'm going to go with, um, and it's, it's we haven't talked about him really at all on the show because of the offense they run, but shy works from Georgia Southern and, and you know, the, the offense they run is more of the option attack. They're going to throw up more than like what a Navy or an air force, you know, who runs a triple as, as you know, they run the triple option. They're going to throw up more than them, maybe eight, nine, 10 times a game potentially. Uh, but he's, man, he's been there. It seems like what this is third year starting at least he's been there for a while. And, uh, he, he's someone that has led Georgia Southern to some really good years, and it seems like they're always competitive in the Sun Belt. So, uh, even though we don't show him a bunch of love, still a good Bob player, and you know has, has done really good for that program. Let's transition away from the underrated aspect of quarterback play into the not so fun aspect of the underperforming quarterback situation. And we have a question here, which comes from yourself. The question you've posed here is what QB or QB situation is underperformed? And we're going to take two, but we'll both take two each and it'll be from a, a, a variety of conferences. So the two that I'm going to go with Steve, or actually, you know what? No, let's go with the two you're going to go with and I'll finish up. Okay. Okay. Mm, let's see. Okay. I ho- hope I don't take any of yours. Okay. So first I'm going to go with South Florida uh, just because, really? you know, yeah, and, and, and here's okay. why. It's not it's not the fact that they don't have a starter per se, but it's the fact like the, the quarterback play besides the one week with Noah Johnson, McLeod had one decent week, but the quarterback play besides that has just been like non existent in a way. And they have talented guys. I just I I was expecting more. Um uh what is it Jeff Scott the, the head coach name, Eric? Correct. 
Right. Okay. I was expecting more the guy, uh, coming from Clemson. I was expecting that there would be competent quarterback play that, that they could build on because towards the end of last year, they, they, they had better play from McLeod. So I was me thinking I was, ex- maybe that was just my, you know, my, my thoughts thinking, okay, he's going to come in and we're going to see elevated quarterback play. I'm not talking about elite quarterback play. I'm just talking about, okay, we have competent play. This play isn't going to, like, so this quarterback play isn't going to hinder our performance, but in reality it has several games, you know, of at least three interceptions and uh, just not a ton going on there. And, you know, they played two guys again last week. They've had at least three or four ga- games where they've played multiple quarterbacks. So the, the fact that there's like musical chairs going on and, you know, you, you had the transfer from North Carolina and, and Fortin coming in who you thought was potentially going to uh, get some good snaps and that hasn't worked out yet. So, you know, there's still time, of course, and it's only – Jeff Scott's first year, but as of now for this year, that was one for me. And then I'm going to go with Utah State. So this is an interesting one. So they had a, a transfer quarterback from Utah, Jason Shelley, who got some starting time, uh, not last year, but the, either the year before or the year prior, whenever Tyler Huntley was, was injured at uh, Utah. And he, he did fairly well, but he transfers into Utah State. And uh, their quarterback that was supposed to be taken over for Jordan Love uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name right, but Henry Columbi or Columbi, um, he was, you know, the supposed to take over. Long story short, uh, um, once Shelley transfers in, Columbi transfers out, and Columbi or Columbi again. I, I hope I'm not butchering them too bad. He has started at Texas Tech for the past four or five games and done fairly well. While now Utah State, just uh, according to reports, this past uh, a few days ago kicked off Jason Shelley off the team for whatever reason not to mention they fired their head coach a week or two ago so not only is that quarterback situation uh, disappointing the whole team the whole year so far has been uh, disappointing uh, if you're a Utah State fan so the two that I'm going to go with Steven I'm definitely going to you know need your uh your yeah. expertise here let's start with UAB you know uh, no matter whether it's been Tyler Johnson or Dylan Lucero it's not necessarily they are both talented guys, right? And it's not that I, I would have expected, even when Tyler Johnson entering the year was the, you know, kind of the guy who was projected to be the starter all the way through. The most frustrating thing, and you and I have kind of talked about this off air. Yeah. And I'll, I'll make the joke that I've made to you off air. Is it required in, in the UAB offense to kind of, you know, throw uh, 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 just an interception where it's just like, <laughs> right. what are you doing? You know? Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not trying to come down to any of the quarterbacks, but right. the thing about it, Steve, is that if this were a one-year thing, anyone who listens to you know any podcast that I've done, even especially this one, I'm big on sample size, right? I don't just like to, you know, to ascertain things based on a two, three, four-game stretch. I need a giant sample size, right? Yep. Over the past two, two and a half years, you can look at UAB's quarterback play and say, if they just cut down on the turnovers, they probably win another game or two per year. And that's really what's hampering this team this year. So that, in my opinion, Steve, has really been the most bewildering thing because it's like the rest of the talent is there. Spencer Brown, talented receiver, a good defense. This is a team that should be running away with Conference USA West, in my opinion. But really, the only position that's hampered them has been the quarterback position. Correct. And and I think think the best example of that is look at the – and granted, they're a good enough team where they are able to kind of get by with it at times. But now that they're starting to be some better quarterback playing conference where they're not going to be able to win a win conference championship anymore with that type of quarterback play. You know, they might win seven, eight games or they might get to the championship potentially. But their loss to Louisiana Tech a few weeks ago is, is a great example of it where they, they should have won that game. 
Uh, you know, they had several turnovers though. And, and um, I think Tyler, John, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the completion percentage for both those guys were low and you, you leave the door open for Aaron Allen to lead uh, Louisiana tech uh, for a comeback win. So like you said, they have, they have one of the best running backs in conference. It, it's, it's a, it's like if they could combine um, if they had, What's the, the quarterback before Tyler Johnson? Was it EJ Erdley? I pronounced that right. AJ Erdley. AJ Erdley. Okay. If they had that kind of conservative approach, but with the talent that both these guys have, that's like that's like the quarterback you would want at UAB. I feel like where he's not taking those risks, those risks, but he he's still a talented guy. So um, yeah, I'm I'm with you in that. It, it, the, the frustrating thing for me watching UAB UAB quarterbacks is the talents there, and they show glimpses of it but the consistency is the, the, the prohibiting kind of factor uh, with their development so far. All right, who you got next? I know you got one more. Yeah. And real quick, forgive me. I, I said, uh, Dylan Lacero, I combined Dylan Hopkins from last year and Bryson Lacero. Bryson Lacero is the quarterback, but uh, the team that I cover FIU, uh, I'm just going to run to it really quickly. Here's the reason why it is underperforming and, you know, really kind of surprising. I've talked about the quarterback situation with stone Norton and Max Bortenschlager, Kalen Wiggins, and the guys have run out there. Just going to give you the stats, Steve. If you look at from, you know, the time with Butch Davis and Rich Krosky have been at FIU. In 2017 with Alex Magoo, they were 66 uh, in all of FBS football with 233.2 passing yards per game, right? You fast forward to the next year with James Morgan, 2018. They That number ranked uh, bumps up to 53rd, 245 per game. Last year, even in a year that was down, a down year, six and seven year for FIU, they're 83rd in FBS football, 211.8 yards per game. They are ranked currently 119th out of 126 or 127, I believe, FBS teams that have played this year. And if you take it, if you subtract teams that have played more than or teams that have played less than two games, so you have a, 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 a smaller sample size, they go to 123rd. Uh, they're averaging 117 yards game passing so that's just underwhelming in itself that the passing game yes you know you have two young quarterbacks or three young quarterbacks who are inexperienced haven't played a lot of football but the fact that there have been games that they can't muster over 100 yards passing is surprising to say the least yeah no i'm with you and, and all those guys like we've talked about this off air we, we view all those guys are talented and it's like i can't put my you know we talked about i can't put my thumb on it as why uh it's happening, but, you know, we can talk about COVID and we can talk about, uh, you know, people you know, like you mentioned, and we've talked about how FIU fans might talk about some of the play calling and this and that. But the reality is, man, it's just a, it's just been a disappointing year, right? Like sometimes it's, it is what it is and let's get better because we got you got a few more games left and we always got next year, too. So, yeah, you know, play calling is one thing, but for your passing yardage, you can cut in half. Yeah, that, uh, you know, that that's more than just play calling. So that's yeah. been a situation that's been underwhelming, to say the least. But as we're going to transition to a few more week 11 topics, I know you want to talk about, you know, the CSA quarterbacks that did have a good week despite multiple cancellations. I'll let you get into Grant Wells and Frank Harris, right? Yep. Yep. So I want I want to touch on Grant Wells, Frank Harris and uh, JV on Posey a bit. Um, and then I, I think you had some stuff on Posey maybe after, but. So Grant Wells, <clears throat> 25, 37, 336 yards in the air, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. It was impressive because a deep shot came alive. Uh, their, their star running back, they only had, the, what, I think 70 yards on the ground from Knox. Um, and so Middle Tennessee actually didn't play bad that game. Uh, they just 
you know, they had several turnovers as they were driving. Grant Wells was just able to capitalize and deliver, deliver, uh, deliver some solid deep shots. So uh, that was, that was an encouraging sign to see in Wells uh, development and kind of solidified the fact that, yeah, he's definitely playing uh, the best. Uh, he's definitely playing. He's definitely quarterbacking the best right now in conference USA, but, but Frank Harris had a hell of a, hell of a week as well throwing uh, having five total touchdowns 312 yards passing 22 of 26 fantastic uh, completion percentage there and then 43 yards on the ground it was clo- this was a game with me and you both were kind of leaning you know UTEP might win this game you know we were texting like I think UTEP could win and it was close at halftime and UTSA goes out and scores 28 points in the second half and UTEP scored zero uh, so um, an impressive performance from Frank Harris and then Javion Posey uh, man what a game against FIU and I, I don't know how detailed you want to get to that or not but just it was simply he was the best athlete on the field uh he had 80 yards passing a buck 82 yards on the ground three total touchdowns uh i I know you kind of i'm I'm gonna let you kind of lead that but it was it was evident he was the best athlete on on the field that night well no steve i mean i'm gonna toss it right back to you because the point that i find interesting is and i've talked to some people you know who who are close with fau and follow the program much closer than i do but one of the things that you really would notice or seem noticeable if you watch a lot of Conference USA football is it seems as if the play calling was different from Nick Tronti and, and Javion Posey, specifically the way that he was deployed as a runner. So I'm going to put it right back in your lap. Yeah. What do you see based on you know the, the limited uh, amount of footage you've had? If I were to make a Quentin Flowers comparison, what would you say to that? So I, th- I think that's probably the most natural one because of, of Taggart, right? Both good athletes. and. Uh, sure. And so I think, and we talked about this off air, you know, obviously it's one game and, you know, we've talked about sample size, so a lot remains to be seen. But as far as being an explosive athlete, you know, check. As far as I think having enough in the passing game to, to you know, have the defense respect, I think check, even though he was only 10 to 16 for 80 yards, he showed enough, right? He was able to push the ball downfield enough that the fact of the matter was they didn't need a pass to win the game. He had 180 yards on the ground. Uh, I thought it was a really, really good offensive scheme, and uh, the play column was, was fantastic. And, look, they, they knew what they had with Posey. They knew he was a dynamic athlete, so they centered the play calling around that, and then they were able to build a little passing game around that and it, excuse me, was able to, to, get the other, uh, to get the running backs going as well. But there was this centered around Posey being a better athlete, and sometimes you know it, it's best like, hey, just keep it simple. We have the best athlete in the field. Let's let him do his thing, and that's exactly what FAU was able to do uh, last Friday. So, Steve, another you also want to get into uh, Jay Cannon from Fresno State, right? I see your notes yeah. here. Um, you know, had three ITs in week one, was played lights out since. I'll let you go ahead and jump into Jake. Yeah, so the transfer from Washington, and, and admittedly, I didn't watch the first game. He had three picks against, I think, Hawaii, uh, and I was—I didn't get any. You know, I didn't know too much about him at Washington besides the fact that you know, he transferred. But but since that week one, uh, they've had three games and they've won each game. Uh, he has nine total touchdowns, only one interceptions, 897 yards uh, passing, and the most impressive thing uh, that he's shown is like is his ability to run, not necessarily. Uh, as you know for rushing yards but just to to get out of the pocket he's been great on the run and great throwing on the run and also shows great anticipation in his throws so he's a guy that if you're looking for another mountain west uh, quarterback to watch like put him on the list man that mountain west uh, conference always has 
just solid quarterback play. And this year, uh, it, it's you know it's not dropped off as Carson Strong, Hank, Hank Bachmeyer, Jake Hayner, even Nick Starko off to a great start at San Jose State. Levi Williams has the potential at Wyoming. So it's it's a good quarterback conference to watch. But Jake Hayner is someone that you should get your eyes on uh, this weekend if, if uh, y'all are into some good quarterback play and haven't seen him play. Let's go and look ahead into week 12 at the weekend's games. And uh, at the American, we got Cincy and UCF, but we've talked a lot about that matchup. So I'm going to bypass that really quick, Steven. Let's go into Conference USA with Rice in North Texas. I think that's an interesting one. You got Mike Collins versus the kind of quarterback duo there of Jason Bean and Austin Ani. We'll see uh, who gets the nod there for Seth Luttrell's club. But definitely a, a matchup of a high-powered offense versus a defense that through a couple games has been very stingy. Yeah, and you know, UNT wants to move real fast, while, while Rice wants to you know control the clock and and uh, pound, 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 throw here and there. And uh, but I like like we've talked about Mike Collins a few weeks ago after the slow miss game. I like him a lot. I think it's interesting too because it's it's two different styles of offense that are essentially going against each other. But both teams, I don't I don't know if so. Rice, of course, didn't play the first half of the year. I think they've only played two games, and their past. Have their past two games been canceled or postponed? I know at least one has, and UNT has had some cancellation and postponements as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if there's sloppy play or, you know, it's kind of interesting to to know what to expect with, with those two uh, teams. But I'm, you know, happy the kids can get back on the field. Let's go and transition to Mountain West. We'll talk about a couple games here because, you know, we kind of uh, were a little short on the Mountain West content early on. Utah State versus Wyoming. Uh, take it uh, away further from uh, that matchup, Steve, before we go to Nevada and San Diego State afterwards, and then a little California showdown with San Jose State and Fresno, but Utah State and Wyoming. I love it. So, man, so Utah State, we've already talked about the quarterback, Jason Shelley, being uh, dismissed from the team, whatever, you know, reasons why. That's that's not you know what, what we do in, on on this show, but you know so he's gone. So it's going to be interesting to see one who replaces him against a Wyoming team who's a solid defense and a Wyoming uh, team who is going to be led by Levi Williams. So <clears throat> excuse me, I, I, you know I, I think if if it's going to be interesting to see the new quarterback for Utah State, and then it's going to be inter- interesting to see uh, Levi Williams and how they come out against uh, a, a pretty decent uh, team. But it should be a defensive game. Uh, but just, you know, something to pay attention to if you want to see the new quarterback at Utah State. Uh, Nevada and San Diego State. And Eric, just just jump in here whenever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nevada, San Diego State. So this is probably my favorite matchup of the weekend for Mountain West. For the simple fact, San Diego State probably has the best defense in uh, the Mountain West. Uh, you could compare them to like a Tulsa or a Cincy as far as like their, 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 their styles go and just, just being known to be a tough, hard-nosed defense. And they're going up against who uh, Carson Strong and uh, Nevada offense, who's been on fire as of late. And, you know, Carson Strong starting to kind of get some recognition and deservedly so playing some really good quarterbacks. So it's going to be going to be a good game to see one of the top quarterbacks in the conference goes against probably the top defense. And then San Jose State, Fresno State, Two former uh, Power Five quarterbacks uh, for each school, with Nick Starkle being at AM in Arkansas, and Jake Hanner, who talked about being at Washington to Fresno State. So that should be a, uh, a pretty high scoring game. Don't know what the total is in that game, but just get the over and enjoy the game. Steve, really quick question before we finish up with the Sun Belt, Appalachian State, and Coastal. How do you feel about does, does it kind of feel like the Mountain West kind of generates? Uh, maybe a handful of guys, maybe two, three, or three, four each year that are power five transfers who come down and play good ball. Yeah. So, yeah. And at least the very least um, guys who could be like, I'll, I'll point to you this way. 
how many, and I know it wasn't the exact uh, question, but we, you know, with, with the transfers here, how yeah. many, how many power five schools right now would take some of these quarterbacks in the mountain West right now as their quarterback, you know, or in any of the conferences that, you know, we like to cover, I would say a handful, right? At least. Absolutely. I'd, I'd agree with you. Like most, you know, you'd want a Hank Bachmeyer, you want Carson Strong, uh, you'd want Jake Hayner to come at some point, even though he's already there. You know, Brady White, Shane Bouchel, Dylan Gabriel. The list goes on and on. All these Power Five schools. We've talked talk about this before. I won't get too into it, but it's just crazy how you know, you know the some how not to dog on any kid, but crazy how some kids just how recruiting they miss so badly, and some of these studs get you know fall into the cracks, if you will. All right, Steve. So let's go ahead and finish up with the Sun Belt. We got App State and Coastal. Go ahead and bring us home. So, yeah, one of the biggest matchups uh, of the weekend for, you know, for any of the conferences that we cover in App State and Coastal. And uh, Zach Thomas, the quarterback for App State, got, uh, was injured last week in their, their win against Georgia State. So I'm not sure if he's playing or, or not. Uh, I probably should, should look that up. But regardless, if he is or isn't, it's still the biggest matchup in the Sun Belt going against the Coastal Carolina team that has a ton of momentum behind him. You know, Grayson McCall is playing some – awesome uh, football right now the quarterback for coastal so um this is going to be the test if if coastal can defeat you know the the team that has kind of ruled the sun belt the past few years and kind of take that take that next step or if app state's going going to uh, kind of remind everyone hey we're still here we're still big dogs we still you know we still we still win the conference championships around here so uh, man should be a great game can't wait to, to watch that Really quick, Zach Thomas is day-to-day, so we'll have to see what's going to be the status of him, as well as starting running back uh, Dietrich Harrington, who's also a really good player as well. So that'll be it for this episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. As always, you can find us on your you know podcast streaming platforms. You can find us on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find Steve on Twitter at Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore and as always, thank you for listening. The only way we can help this podcast grow is through reviews and feedback, whether that's in the DMs, on Twitter, on Apple, anywhere that you subscribe or listen to this podcast, please leave us feedback and we will be sure to take that into consideration, as well as finding this, the article version of this podcast at underdogdynasty.com. Happy football watching, everybody, and we will see you with a recap of week 12 heading into week 13.